Welcome to WP Tonic, episode 143. And today, our guest is Gordon Orlick. Uh, and he's going to talk to us about running a successful plugin development shop. Gordon, would you like to introduce yourself and tell us all about you? Hi, thank you for having me. First of all, 143. Congratulations. I wasn't Thanks. aware. It's, that's a big number. Uh, so I run a small development shop called Web Factory. We specialize in WordPress. If it's not WordPress, we don't touch it. Uh, that's something I learned the hard way. Uh, we mostly do white label plugins. Sometimes we do themes and very, very, very little custom client work. Uh, this is something that I can say today. It wasn't so like a year ago or two years ago. So, you know, as time progresses, we change our focus. But WordPress, it's always the keyword for us. Definitely. And I also want to introduce my co-host, Jonathan Denwood. Jonathan, tell us who you are. Yeah, thanks, uh, John. Um, well, basically, I'm the founder of WP Tonic, folks. Um, we are a maintenance support company for solely WordPress. And we also do custom plugins, themes for consultants, designers, or anybody that wants a quality partner. And I'm ill today, aren't I, John? It sounds like you got a bit of a cold, yes. Yeah, I got a little bit cold, and I've had technical problems because I'm from my office, aren't I? I'm a mess today, aren't I, John? Everybody has a day like that. Yeah, uh, thank God for the support of John Locke. There we go. Oh, 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 do kind. And speaking of which, I am John Locke. I am the other co-host of the podcast, and my business is Lockdown Design, um, which is a also a WordPress company. Um, and I am the opposite of you, Gordon. I do um, mostly client work <laughs> and, uh, you know, specifically help people with a little bit of their SEO and, you know, setting up WooCommerce. Um, you know, first thing I want to ask you, one thing that's always intriguing to me is people's origin story. And, and how did you get into web development? How did you get to where you are today? Well, I've started doing PHP on college. So, you know, C, C Sharp, PHP, you touch everything. And I really liked PHP because it wasn't such a stickler for variable types. Although now I can say that's a bad thing, but when you're young. Uh, so one day somebody asked me to look at something on WordPress. And I've actually never heard of WordPress till that day. And I looked at it, I liked it. And for the first couple of years, I did some projects on WordPress while I was still developing some custom CMSs in PHP because every good developer has a custom CMS. Uh, and um, I don't know, as years passed, I started thinking to myself that it's stupid to code things that others have coded, not others, like a hundred people took 10,000 hours to do something. Why should I do it again? I mean, I'm not that smart. So I've started using other people's code or WordPress to be more precise. 
Excellent. So, how, you know, one thing that a lot of people don't know is when you first started, you were doing a lot of client work, but gradually you made the transition uh, to doing, you know, plugins and selling products. You know, how did that transition come about? Well, uh, I, I wouldn't call it a finite process. It goes on in waves for one reason, because your income goes up and down depending on how plugins, you know, everything has its low and high points. Uh, so when your plugins are not selling, you have a client, you think yourself, oh, let me do this for him. It's only going to take a few days, then it takes a few months. So again, you're then thinking to yourself, I'm not touching any clients in the next five years, so you do plugins. Um, it, it's a it's a chicken egg situation because on one hand you need time to develop plugins, which time equals money obviously, and when you're done developing, then shit begins. Then you actually have to sell it, which can go very wrong and it can also go very right. You know, it's a hit and miss. There's no science to it, and when you miss. Well, you can stick to it, push on, or you can just throw it in the garbage and go back to client work. Now, I have been very fortunate and have never ran the company into ground. So, you know, we do okay, but there's definitely months when you're looking at the bills and thinking if we don't make X thousand dollars selling plugins, we really need to get some clients. And I have never ever advertised my client work. People always came to us, which is a good thing because you can mostly filter out the idiots. No offense to anybody. Um, so at certain point, nobody calls you. It's, I don't know, Christmas or Easter or summer or whatever. Nobody's calling. Nobody's, you know, asking, can you do this or that? So you panic. And I think that's the problem for most people. They panic. That's a realistic situation because, you know, you have to put food on the table. So at the end of the month, if you don't have, X dollars, you can't put food on the table, so you have to do something. And that's the point when you make bad decisions, rash decisions. So to anybody who's trying to transition, I would just say, you know, stick with it, uh, take some risks, and out of five plugins you made, three will probably suck. But those two, they will get you some real money and then you can ditch a few clients. But when I say ditch, just don't burn all the bridges. And I know I do have a will to do that sometimes because people annoy me, but just don't burn every freaking bridge. You know, leave some standing because in the end, you're gonna need those clients again and it's, let's say it's not polite to tell everybody to, yeah. Well, I, funny enough, I know a really reliable third-party maintenance service company that you can send them to. Yes, most definitely. Yes, the the title of the podcast. Um, yeah. uh, uh, you know, and, and that's something you mentioned too. It, it, it's tough when you're trying to make that transition from clients to products, and, you know, revenue is an issue. 
but but one thing that a lot of people have told me uh, is when you focus your attention on one set subset of customers when you niche down that seems to help like both when you're doing client work and uh, developing products you know what is your experience with that no absolutely it's the only way to go but again a very 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 scary situation because you're thinking to yourself oh my god uh, I mean, my niche is like only 50,000 people or 100 or doesn't really matter. So you're thinking to yourself, well, maybe if I broaden out just a bit to a million, I'll do better. No, you won't. You want the smallest subset of customers that you can actually get. But I do understand that when, you have, when your income is zero and you have zero customers, it's very scary to think about this little group. You want to go as wide as possible. That is not good. You should stick to one thing. Give it some time. And by time, I don't mean five days. It can be three or six months or a year. You really should stick to it. And when you stick to it, people from that niche will start to see you as the expert or authority or call it whatever you want. And you're going to get better jobs. You can price your plugins higher, but you have to stick to it. If you do everything, then you basically don't do nothing. And I have to point out that saying, I do WordPress, you're not specialized in anything. I mean, it powers a quarter of the whole web. So how is that a niche? It's really not. It, it may have been, I don't know, five years ago, but today saying that you're specialized would be something like, I only do WooCommerce, although that is also quite a huge market. I only do is digital downloads or I don't know, I only fix buttons on a website. That's called being specialized. And again, it's scary, but the only way to go. Yeah, it's it's very counterintuitive. When when you focus tighter, it, it seems to bring you more business instead of less. Um, you know, one thing now that you're developing plugins and uh you know you're you're quite successful with that. How do you position the plugins um, to where customers are going to know that they're going to get an ROI on what they're spending? What what's the whole science behind that? Well, when it comes to white label plugins, so plugins that others are going to sell, obviously if not only one of the only goals they have is to make money or to sell those plugins. Um, the reason why people go the white label route instead of building something from scratch is they want to do it today. So from the point you, when you order a white label plugin to the point when you are ready to sale, so sell it, it's, I don't know, maybe two weeks. And the moment you order it, you can actually have a look at it and see how it works. While if you do something custom, it may take months for you just to verify the concept and see if the developer is capable of delivering what you want and if you're on the same page. So just having something that's already done and functions is light years ahead of having, of having an idea. Because having an idea... <laughs> Just fuck your idea. You know, ideas are a dime a dozen. You can really have a hundred of those and not do anything. 
but that one idea, you execute it, maybe it's shitty, but you execute it, you're going to do something. So when it comes to white label plugins, people see it, they see that it works, and they make usually some small adjustments either to the way they market it or just really, really small adjustments in total in order to accustom to their um, customers, to adjust it to their customers. That doesn't necessarily mean that the plugin is a perfect fit or a perfect uh, embodiment of the idea that they had but they realize that it's better to have this semi thing that works than to have nothing that needs six months or a year to develop. So it basically comes down to marketing, something that I don't like and usually don't do. Uh, that's why I make less money than I could. Uh, but people that we sell to, they are very, very, very good at marketing. So they're able to take something that's perhaps not positioned perfectly initially and turn it into something that's really good. Although technically in the core, it's absolutely the same thing. Uh, really, I have to stress out one more time. Having something that works today is much better than having 55 perfect ideas that will work later down the road, if ever. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and, and here's another thing. As a plugin developer, you uh, started on the Envato marketplace, but now you're moving away and starting to uh, launch, you know, plugins like on your own away from that. Uh, Google Maps Widget Pro, I think, is the first to that, if, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, you know, what is the Envato market like? What are the pros and cons? <laughs> of being on Code Canyon versus just trying to like launch your own site. Yeah, okay, that, that's an episode of its own. We can talk <laughs> five days about that. Now, before I start shitting on Envato, I'm going to point out that I wrote an article on Envato's official blog like five years ago. It was titled something like, why is it good to give Envato 30%? I stand behind that article today as I did five years ago, 100%. Giving them 30% for the job they are mostly doing is cheap. And especially five years ago when they were doing a lot more than they are today, giving 30% was cheap. People think that they can process a payment for 0%. That, that's just, that's not true. That's, that's simply not true. Okay, so when we started on Envato, I've put a little uh, PHP script on there. I think it was the CSS switcher or something like that. Basically, it enables you to click a link and it switches the CSS in the whole site. It was like five bucks or something like that. And we sold a couple of hundred in the first month. So I really didn't think we we're gonna sell five, let alone a hundred. So I saw huge potential in that. Uh, and the potential comes from traffic, something that Envato had and still has. You can argue the quality of the traffic, uh, people coming from states you don't want them to come, blah, blah. It's millions of people. And 
in this case, quantity counts because that 1% that converts, it matters if it's 1% from 10 million on, or 1% from 100. So the traffic is goal here. It's the main thing on uh, Code Canyon and uh, Team Forest. Obviously, Team Forest has a lot more traffic, but Code Canyon still has a lot. Um, Envato offers a lot. It offers, first of all, something that people don't appreciate. They offer to review your plugin. What people usually perceive is some idiot telling them that the plugin sucks. That's not true. The idiot that's reviewing your plugin for free, and it's really for free, zero dollars, is somebody who, who looked at 1,000 plugins, and if he says that it sucks, that really means it sucks. So being hard rejected on Code Canyon, that's a favor for you. So you didn't have to pay 500 bucks for somebody to review your plugin. I'm not just talking about the code. They will also look at the concept and tell you that, you know, we already have 17 plugins that do the same thing. We're not going to sell that. So he really saved you some time and money, and you're getting that service for free. It's the same service for people who started yesterday. It's the same service for me, who am, and I'm an elite author, so they know me. The same people do the reviews. So there's your first $0, and you're getting something. I would say about 500 bucks worth of services. Now, the moment you put your plugin up, uh, it goes on the marketplace, and people see it. Now, you may be thinking, well, how many people can see it? It doesn't really make a difference. A lot more than if you post it on your shitty Facebook page. A lot more. Now, besides the people that are actually on Code Canyon and searching for something, they will eventually find your plugin. There's also a whole pleiora of sites, I would say too many sites, that aggregate the Code Canyon's RSS feed. So they mark the links as an affiliate ones. They earn their commission, but they are pushing your product. Again, you may be thinking, well, I'm going to get my affiliates. Your friends are not going to be able to push the plugin in the same way these people are, unless you, know, you really have Bill Gates as your friend. But even then, that's not going to happen. So we are already saving a lot of money because we're not paying Envato a dime in advance. They're only taking percentage. So if we are losing money or earning zero, they are earning zero, regardless of the percentage here, whether it's 50% at start or 30% down the road. If you're making zero, they're making zero. Okay, then there's payments. That's very complicated. You may be thinking, well, what, I like take five bucks, I give them the license and we're done. No, we're not done. There's your cancellations, refunds, chargebacks, banks calling, credit card companies calling, everybody's calling. You're like spending three days a month just you know, dealing with things that you really don't understand and they, that can cost you a lot of money because chargebacks can range from 20 to $50. In your case, Envato is taking care of most of those things. So at worst case scenario, you will lose a sale that you already made. 
but you're not going to be bothered with some people emailing you, was this a fraudulent transaction? Who are you? Do you live in a state where you can or can't do this? Is, a, is, is the person from a country that has an embargo of trading with your country? I don't know. I don't know who that person is. And Vado does. They deal with that. So, again, something that happens behind the scenes, they do it, and that's why they get a certain percentage. Uh, the whole user interface that enables you to upload files and screenshots and the description, and you have your little last update date and everything, again, you're getting a service for free. If you're not making money, they're not making money. You may be thinking that you can get a site up and running that has everything that I just described for $0. You cannot. Do not kid yourself. If you go down the WooCommerce or Easy Digital Downloads way, you're going to need a couple of add-ons. Those add-ons are not free. After a few add-ons, you're already be spending like a few hundred dollars per year for licenses. Maybe you're selling zero. So now you're not making any money you're actually using because you paid for licenses. So Envato as a marketplace, as a service, definitely has a place. Uh, it's good in many ways, but from the get-go, they made some mistakes that yeah, didn't uh, seem... Yes, Gordon. Um, but before we go into the mistakes, Gordon, Let's have our commercial break, shall we, John? And then come back and find out about their terrible mistakes. What do you say, John? <laughs> yeah, let's do it. I mean, this interview is on fire, but uh, we'll be back after the break. Buying or selling a home in the greater Reno-Tahoe area? I know the best CRS real estate broker, and that's Karen Conrad. And you can find her at karenconrad.com or call directly at 775-527-7021. We're coming back from our break, and we're talking with Gordon Orlick of uh, Web Factory Limited, and he's a successful plugin developer. Uh, he's making the transition from Envato and, and moving some of those like uh, onto his own site. And, and we're talking about uh, Envato, just picking up where you're at. Yeah, so the mistakes. Things are really moving forward at a huge pace. What's today is not tomorrow. And I mean, you have a new version of WordPress every three months. So you have to recheck your plugins, adjust. There's, you know, you can't be standing in the same place. And you may be thinking that, you know, if you have a huge company, you're, you have a hundred employees, you're paying them, well, you know, sit down and code some stuff, make those changes. But the problem is, the bigger you are, the bigger elephant you are, and the inertia has you, and you're moving forward, you know, you're on a, on, a, on a certain track. It's very difficult to go left or right. And I believe, personally, that that's what hit Envato. The decisions they made five years ago look very, very bad today. Although five years ago, they were good decisions. So obviously, you know, let's change those. You can't, or you can, but it will take a lot of time and a lot of money. Uh, the flagship mistake that was made years, years, years ago 
was to charge plugins and teams, the same thing, for a one-time fee that mostly implies that you are getting a lifetime of support and lifetime of updates. Um, I know that today that sounds really ridiculous and who, who would be stupid enough to even say something like that unless you're dumping the prices of your products. But five years ago, the marketplace for plugins, you know, it, it was barely getting started. The plugins costed like $5, $9. You, you didn't have plugins that costed $1.99 like today. The market evolved. So, you know, Envato had to do the same, but they didn't. So what we have at the moment is they managed to actually push out a change that says when you purchase a plugin, you get a lifetime of updates, but support is paid yearly, so you have to renew. That was a huge step for them, but for most people like myself, it wasn't enough because, you know, it, it doesn't really matter how much you charge the plugin for initially, unless it's a few thousand dollars. You can't provide somebody updates for the less, uh, rest of the life because that's just not feasible. You can't put food on the table based on that. You need recurring continuous income in order to invest that time and money into those plugins just to keep them, you know, on the same level. I'm not talking about building new things. I'm talking about checking if they work with the latest version of WordPress, if everything's compatible, if they work with the latest version of Chrome or whatever. So that takes time. If you want to add new features, that obviously takes even more time and somebody has to pay for that. Now, at the beginning, you have a lot new customers those who, let's say, pay the one-time fee. So you're thinking to yourself, well, all of this money is coming in. There's not going to be a problem. There is going to be a problem because in a year, the very feature that you're selling is going to be a part of WordPress core, let's say. And all of a sudden, your plugin is obsolete and nobody's buying your plugin anymore. Well, you still need to update it because you told people, give me five bucks and I'm going to keep it alive for 50 years. So it just doesn't work like that. And I'm not blaming Envato. Five years ago, it, that, it, it wasn't so evident as it is now. Now, could they be implementing changes on a, let's say, faster? Just fucking do it faster. Uh, they could. In my opinion, they're just investing resources into things that don't benefit authors. For instance, they moved their company to the States. Now, I really don't care where their company is uh, incorporated. United Kingdom, States, Australia, I really don't care. However, I do care now because of the tax taxes in the States that are politely said complicated and even more complicated if you don't live in the States. And uh, all of a sudden I have a new problem on my hands 
And Envaro says, oh, we invested, I don't know, 10,000 man hours into this switch. I don't care. First of all, it's dull as hell. Second, I don't give a flying fuck. And third, you obviously did it to pocket some more money or because you're planning some things ahead. Again, I really don't care. Um, the same reason why they uh, didn't do some other changes because they lack resources to do everything. Nobody has resources to do everything. You need to prioritize. You can't have 76 open projects at the same time. That's just not realistic. So they focus on certain things. Until I would say a year and a half ago, they didn't have a responsive version of the front page. I really can't comment on that. How difficult can it be, you know, to add 50 or 100 lines of CSS? But when you have a huge system like they do, it's obviously not a five-minute job. But again, I feel you're not prioritizing properly because you invested all of this time to move to the States and you didn't have, like, I don't know, 50 or 100 hours to do 100 lines of CSS. So we don't really see eye to eye. Uh, I mean, that's okay. Uh, another big issue from the get-go was support. Even today, it's not uncommon to wait 10 days to get a response. Doesn't really matter how complicated your ticket is. If you wait a week, that's normal. Anything below a week, bravo, I say. And the thing is, they, they have a huge support team. But just by hiring somebody to do support, you didn't really do much. You have to hire the right people at the right time who have the right knowledge and the right training in order to be able to streamline the process so that I get the same response as you would if we ask the same question. And five years have passed, and they just didn't fix that problem, whatever they did. They've changed the support ticketing system backend like five times. Um, you know, technology aside, I really don't think that your backend is to be blamed because I had to wait a week to get a response. Um, from the get-go, support really not great. And I can assume they get like a truckload of tickets every day because they have a lot of customers. I, I have never sent a ticket as a customer. I always you know, have something as an author. But I do feel that people send tickets some for things like, oh my God, my computer is on fire. Oh my God, I can't you know, turn on Photoshop. I do believe they get those questions. So the volume is really high, but I don't know, deal with it. That's why you're taking the 30%. All in all, getting back to my first sentence, read my article on the official blog. I truly stand behind those words that it's not a lot to give them 30%, especially now that you can set your custom prices, that you can set your custom... Uh, <coughs> 
uh, license, um, I mean the, the normal license and the extended license. Uh, and yeah, another thing I really do have to touch on. For five years, we've asked them, please add some kind of a discount for people who are buying more than one license. Because people buy my plugins, one license for each client site they make. And I thank them. That's great. But I feel that if you bought 50 licenses, you should get some kind of a volume discount. And I continuously get emails from agencies asking me, is the extended license an unlimited sites license? And then I have to say, no, it is not. It has absolutely nothing to do with what you're asking. But why is it then called extended? I don't know. I didn't name it. The extended license is used to incorporate a smaller Envato item into larger Envato items that you're going to sell on the marketplace. It's not an end user license. It's license for authors on Envato. Now, I understand that to a certain degree, but my clients don't, and I really don't expect them to. They just want to buy 10 licenses and get, I don't know, 20% off. I, I, I can't give them that. I don't have any discount coupons. Uh, I, I can't change the price just for them. I, I could now change the price for like five minutes and tell them, please, please, please hurry by now. It's cheaper Then I'm going to set the price up again. But that's just not realistic. So for years, the, there has been absolutely no positive movement, movement on this. And for many authors, what has happened, I'm not encouraging this, but it's life. People buy one license and use it on 55 sites. Now, you could enforce, you know, one license key per site usage and then block people off or send them emails telling them, please, you know, buy another license, blah, blah, blah. But you didn't solve the problem. The problem was that the licensing structure is too rigid. And apart from being rigid, it's just others have those licenses. So people are accustomed to buying five licenses for the price of one or two or whatever. You know, every other micro marketplace has that. Why don't you? It's like simple math. You know, you multiply the number by something and there's your new price. It's price for five, uh, you know, sites. Uh, I don't know if they're ever going to do that. They obviously have some explanations of whether how complicated that is or why they can't do it, blah, blah, blah. Their lawyers says, say that they can't. I don't care. I'm paying my 30%, you know, and I want my multi-site licenses. Yeah, rent over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I think that that was well put, actually, Gordon. But um, like um, we interviewed Pippi Williams uh, quite a while ago. We're going to have to have him back. He's a friend of the show, I would say. And um, he started on Code Canyon. And I think for all the reasons you just said, I think um, it's a great place to start um, because, you know, they review the plugin. 
um, their marketing. Um, but at some stage, Pippin said that he decided that he wanted to build a brand. Yeah, he was the first to leave, yeah. He, he was one of the first people to leave, yeah. Uh, but building, which is understandable, if you... Um, I would say if you just want to be a one or a small um, plug-in development shop, I would stay with a marketplace. But if your long-term goal is to build an actual business that has branding value that at some stage... Um, you could grow or you could sell. You In the end, you've got to bite the bullet. But branding a business online is a, a very difficult proposition then actually, which is still very difficult building uh, a commercial plug-in. It's a total different uh, animal. So you're starting now to try and build actual brands. What what led you? Was it that you just, for all the reasons you just mentioned, you just got fed up with Code Canyon and their marketplace, or was it also you thought it was time now that you actually tried to build a branded business? Was it a bit of both? No, it's it's simple. It's trivial. Income started to fall. Um. So <laughs> it's always about money, you know. The amount of resources we were investing X years ago can't be compared to the amount of resources we should be investing now to get the same amount of money. So it was no longer feasible and bye-bye. Mm, you know, no hard feelings, but it is what it is. And I feel that we, we had a good start. You know, we boarded that train while it was still on the platform. Boarding the Envato train now means that you're jumping on it while it's moving 200 miles per hour. You can't just go on Envato now and put on a great team or plug-in and expect it to do great. Because there are people there that are not a one-man shop. You know, they have 10 employees and they sell on Envato. It may seem like it's one guy in mom's basement, but it's really, really not. And when you come as that one guy, which you could have done five years ago, today you're just going to be crushed. Now, I'm not saying that one in a thousand plugins can do really great, but for most, you're going to have like 100 sales in a year or something like that. It's not sustainable income. And the thing is, I, I've seen numbers for a lot of authors. I know what kind of uh, do dollar income we're talking about. So unless you really have an established account, and you know what you're doing on Envato, it will be really difficult to board that train at this moment. Uh, and another fact to go behind that whole premise of mine, we are now at a point where you can buy Envato profiles on Flippa. So it has come to that. So you can buy an Envato profile that earns, I don't know, let's say 5000 a month for 50000 
a few years ago, nobody done has done that because the you know the marketplace has to evolve to a certain point when, where you have this whole ecosystem that does things like that. And now you can go on Flippa and you can buy yourself a whole profile with I don't know five teams, ten teams, five plugins. And if you think that you can manage it better than the previous owner, great. It's I mean the same as buying a bakery. If you can manage it, if you can put new plugins out there, you're gonna make some money. So for anybody who's starting out, I would say go down that route so that you're not starting from scratch. Or would you advise, which I've seen um, also, would you advise maybe to look at a popular plugin that has a micro plugin marketplace itself, like WooCommerce, because we, uh, uh, we've had some guests that have been highly successful in building what I call micro plugins that um, work with um, uh, gravity forms or they work with uh, WooCommerce um, and they sell through uh, they sell through a marketplace that's run by a larger plugin author. Okay, the, this is the same problem slash not problem. When you're hitching a ride in somebody's car, it's free and it's great. You know, you can take a nap, but it's that person's car. And if he says we're making a pit stop for five hours, we're making a pit stop for five fucking hours because you're not paying anything. It's my car. So it's great to hitch behind WordPress, Gravity Form, Easy Digital Downloads, or WooCommerce. They give you that push, that instant push that you can't really pay for if you're doing something on your own. But please be aware, it's their car and their ride. So if they say, you know, your plugin sucks, we're just cutting it, cutting it off, or we are including your plugins features in the next release, tough luck. So as anything in life, you know, you got to throw the dice and try it out. I think that was very succinctly put, actually. Um, I think we're going to go uh, um, and finish the actual podcast, what you say, John, and then we're talk we're going to the bonus content where we're going to talk about Golden Security plugin and uh, what what um, the features are and uh, what he's up to with that particular uh, plugin. What do you say, John? Yeah, definitely. Let's do that, and you could you'll be able to find that bonus content just as you can find the bonus content for all of our episodes on the WP Tonic website. Uh, be sure to find the corresponding uh, episode uh, number 143. And one thing I want to remind people too is if you're getting value from this podcast, be sure to go to iTunes, give it a review, give it a detailed review of, of what you're enjoying about the show because that helps surface this podcast so other people can find it. Uh, and with that... Uh, oh, but before we go, John, I just like to oh, well. I just like to say to the listeners, thank you for your support because I was looking at the numbers and our growth has been quite spectacular recently, hasn't it, John? It's been pretty good, yeah. Yeah, um, where we seem to be on a roll, don't we, John? I was looking at um, this morning and uh, I was a bit godsmacked about the amount of people that are listening to this show recently. 
Yeah, yeah, we got a little bit of momentum. So thank you to all our listeners. We really do appreciate it. We thank all of you, uh, definitely. Um, so, Gordon, how do we find you and, you know, uh, websites uh, or else? Well, you can visit webfactoryltd.com. Should we, there's going to be some links in the box below. Oh, yes, we're going to put all your links in. <laughs> oh, yes, we're, we're just, yeah, yeah. We're just asking you uh, if people want to find out more about you, Golden, and you've got a personal yeah, about blog. Me? About me? I'm not that Oh, you're very, you're very interesting, Golden. So what's the best way if somebody wants to contact you, by email or Twitter? Twitter would be best because I get too many emails and unfortunately there have been incidents where I overlooked them. So, so Twitter what, would be best. So what's yeah. your Twitter handle, Golden? Web Factory LTD. Right, that's the best way to get hold of him. And the best way to get hold of me, folks, is I do check my email. I, I do have a problem similar to Golden, and but I um, I try and catch all the ones um, with relevant questions or outreach. That's how I actually met Golden because he did some outreach. Um, so if you email me at Jonathan at wp-tonic.com. I will get back to you in a, probably in a couple of days. Or a quicker way is my Twitter handle, which is at Jonathan Denwood. And I normally check that every day. And I normally respond if it's a direct message or a public message to me. So how can people get hold of you, John? Well, you can find me at my website, which is lockdowndesign.com. You can follow me on Twitter. It's lockdown underscore. You can go to my Facebook page, which is just facebook.com slash lockdowndesign. Uh, and people really want to join us for the Saturday show that's coming, isn't it, John? Because we're going to be talking about that always popular subject, WordPress hosting, aren't we, John? And we, I think we've got some great guests, and I think it's going to be a bit of a different right. about WordPress hosting, isn't it, John? Definitely. We're going to look at high-end WordPress hosting this Saturday um, and that's going to be in episode 144. We're going to have Brian Lee Jackson from Kinsta.com, and then we're going to have AJ Morris from Liquid Web. So be sure to check that out. That's great. We'll see you next time on a WP Tonic. What do you say, John? Get your dose. <laughs> Get your dose. See you later, <laughs> folks. Bye. <laughs>